0: Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com.
1: Time to bring in my friend, one of the best going, regardless of the sport, Kevin Kugler. First time he has uh, spoken in more than a whisper in days. Welcome, sir.
0: Steve, good to be here.
1: There you go. How are you? How are you? I'm doing great. First time you've spoken more than a whisper in days. It's great to you know <laughs> after the Masters
0: anymore. I'm, I'm happy to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's great. Uh, as you watching it play out yesterday, obviously, Ron was terrific, and Kepka really struggled for the, almost the entirety of the nearly 30 holes they played yesterday what did strike you about how Ron how rom played and also how rom closed uh,
0: you know what i i i was very impressed with his demeanor steady i think you've got to play that much golf and i don't want to make it sound like you know he's working in a coal mine he played extra golf yesterday but yeah. It, when you have to play that much golf, you you have to be able to steadily ride out some of the shots that aren't gonna go exactly where you want them to go. And I really thought that was the most impressive thing that we saw from John Rahm yesterday. I didn't see much emotion from him. He was just steady eddy all the way through what he had to do. Free, go through I mean, look, they got back on the course yesterday that whole tournament changed because Kepka missed his putt and Rahm made his putt, so he had a two-shot swing within seconds of round three resuming yesterday morning, and that sort of set the tenor for the entire day. And Brooks Kepka didn't have his A game, or his B game, may not have had his C game yesterday. I mean, he just did not have the kind of game you need to have to be able to win a major, and he knew that, and you could tell there was some frustration with him. There just wasn't any level of anything but a calm demeanor with John Rom, And that was what impressed me. There have been times early in his career, especially where there have been some mercurial moments with him. I just didn't see it from him in this event at all. He just was yeah. floating right along. He established his game. And I mean, look, this whole thing could have fallen apart. If you four putt the very first hole of your yeah. weekend, that sets a really bad tone, but he didn't let that phase him. I mean, you're you're talking about one of two golfers now who have ever doubled the first hole at the Masters and gone on to win. John Rahman, Sam Snead. That's pretty good company yeah. and pretty rare company for him to be in.
1: Exactly right because you know you end up with a number and just think now you you end up playing the next seventy one holes and what he end up playing the last seventy one at fourteen under par. I mean that's about what he did, uh, and he has had blowups before. I mean no n- no question about that. Uh, it would I don't think it'll figure into it it's only been eleven months for Live. But if are you wondering two years from now if this keeps going and on the Live tour they're always playing fifty four holes, what a seventy two hole test is gonna be for some of these guys once they get used to just playing fifty four all the time?
0: You know, did you think that factor in? He said, Not yet, but he did say we've gotta figure this out for for the business of golf, for the good of the game. We've got to figure this whole live PGA situation out right now because you want events like this, and it's a shame that it's only the majors now where the best in the world are going to get together and play. And I mean, three of the five top finishers at the Masters are Live Tour players. You see, so it's right. not just a it's it's some pretty impressive names at the top of that leaderboard yesterday that you're not going to see on the PGA Tour and i think that's a shame i i I hate that for the game we've got to figure that out but i don't disagree with the assertion that in two to three years maybe that makes a difference maybe all of a sudden from a str from a strategic standpoint your strategy is very different playing a 54-hole event than it is a 72-hole event. Not that you can't change your strategy, but if you're not used to thinking in those terms, it may be something that factors in. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't have to be the overriding factor. It can be a small factor that creates a big turn of events in some 72-hole event down the road.
1: What did you think as Mickelson was doing what he was doing yesterday?
0: Um, I I was impressed. I mean, I I don't know how you can't be. I I know Phil is probably the biggest lightning rod of any of the live tour people, and for good reason. And Phil has just had a weird couple of years. A lot of the stuff he's said, you know, for a while there, it looked like Phil was going to become the next great golf analyst. And you could tell CBS was kind of grooming him towards that. And then all of a sudden, all of this happened, and it, you know, for people who enjoyed wrestling, it's like Hulk Hogan leaving the w w f and going to the n w o back in the day and he turns heel and everybody's wondering why Hulk Hogan is now Hollywood Hogan every time I see Bill Nicholson, I think it's just like Hollywood Hogan where you've got the, the dark <laughs> clothes and you just you look so different, but he found his energy again yesterday. He looked like a beaten man. A lot of the times I see him and he just looks beaten down by life and by all of the circumstances. You could hear it in his voice talking about it yesterday after the event. He just seemed energized by the situation that he's now in, and I was happy for that because I (laughs) – that regardless of what you think about Phil Mickelson and the situation that he's put himself in, the game of golf is better when the greats are still able to compete with the younger guys it's the only sport where a 52 year old and a 22 year old can be on an absolutely even footing when they go out and play in the biggest event and i love that for golf and i hope it can continue because it's better when phil nicholson's good whether you like him or hate him it gives you somebody to be interested in and i think that's great
1: And speaking of the 22 year old, that's you know Sam Bennett, maybe 23 now. I don't know because uh, he's in his fifth year at Texas A and M. But to see an amateur compete on that level, toe to toe at times with these guys, what impressed you about him?
0: What impressed me about him was after the 36 hole cut, and he makes the cut. Comments afterwards were, well, you know, everybody was telling me that they hoped I could be low amateur. He goes, now I'm in a position where I've got a tournament to go win. So he was cocky. I love the idea that this kid who's striding onto the big stage for the first time in his life is like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just go win the Masters. (laughs) Okay. Why don't you just go (laughs) win the master's youngster? I mean, and obviously it wasn't that easy, but I thought he acquitted himself really, really well the entire weekend. And I didn't, I wasn't put off by the cockiness. In fact, I think when you're an individual in an individual sport, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe, you know what, I've won tournaments before. Why can't I win a green jacket? Why can't I win the Masters? I've won other tournaments. I could win this tournament too. I love that attitude. His game is going to grow so much from the experiences that he had over the last four days. And it's not the last time we'll see Sam Bennett doing something impressive Mm. in a golf tournament playing against some big time participants that was that was really impressive yesterday and really all weekend long
1: uh, Fuzzy Zeller's first pro win was the masters as a matter of fact so it's not like it's not out of the realm and the great story about you know it's it's anytime you hear about anybody who's you know has dealing with somebody with Alzheimer's and his father at the last thing that he one of the last things he told him where he was really coherent, and they they wrote it down for him, and this is Sam Bennett's father. Don't wait to do something, and then he signed it, pops. Hey, I mean, well, he didn't wait to do something. He went out and did it this weekend to his credit.
0: He, he did, and and you're right. That's one of the great stories to come out of golf in a long time. Um, Anybody who's dealt with anybody in their family who's gone through dementia or Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. knows what a crushing disease it is, more so even for the family than it is for the person going through it, not to say it's any cakewalk for that person. But for anybody who's had to live through that in their family, you know how soul-crushing it is to watch that person slip Mm -hmm. away minute by minute, week by week, month by month. He watched his dad way too young for eight years go through that and now at this moment his dad's passed two years now now at this moment he gets the chance to shine on this stage and it doesn't bring your dad back but it gives you that connection to your dad once again in some small way i just it was hard not to be touched by that and anybody who's gone through just you know how painful it is and you know how hard it is on all of the people who love that person and you know how hard it had to be on a young Sam Bennett. So I thought that was a really cool part of his story that will continue to be told as he's just now starting to break into this world of big time professional golf.
1: Yep. You were speaking to the choir on that. So I know mm-hmm. the steps I know the steps he's walked in. Uh, very quickly, UConn, national title. What were your thoughts on the final four?
0: They were the best team in the country in november and december yep. and they found their way back to that by the time the season came to a close so had you pulled me aside in december and said who's going to win the national title i'd have said probably yukon and then yep. in january i wasn't so sure because they really struggled and look the big east is really good so that was part of the struggles but yeah. um they they figured it out and they got themselves back to the national title and, and I I wouldn't rule anything out for that team to be right in the thick of things again next year. They're really talented. They're deep. Coach Early's a good coach with a good system. That's uh, that program's not going anywhere. They're back and and they are. And Ray Allen's been telling anybody who will listen over the last two months in any interview I've heard him do that UConn's a blue blood and it's hard to argue with that. I mean they have the national championships now over a course of twenty years to back that up.
1: They have five. Duke and North Carolina have three each since 1999. Yep. Kansas has two. Uh, the other part too is, as somebody who watched Dan Hurley coach in other locations, like you know, and you've been you've been in that spot, Kevin. You've watched him coach in other spots. He could be a, I'd say, emotional on the sidelines. His calm <laughs> demeanor during this tournament told me. I've got the best team. <laughs> I don't yeah, know
0: <laughs> I've I've called games involving Dan Hurley, in which Dan Hurley yep. did not make it to the end of the game. He was yep. ushered out early in the game because he yep. is um, he's a little bit temperamental at times. Um, yeah. he's, he's prone to those explosions. <laughs> but he was. You're right. The steady hand that he had on the wheel. We talked with him before every broadcast and. P.J. Carlissimo was on our crew, and of course P.J. was his coach at Seton Hall and yep. I, he, was com- he was comfortable, he was confident he's as superstitious as any coach I've ever been around, <laughs> but he, uh, he, he had good reason for that confidence.
1: My friend, thank you so much. It's great to hear you.
0: No, it's great to be on with you. Thanks for inviting me.